looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You drive me wild. <laughs> what up, Crazy Train Radio? You look like hell. And I could look the same. What's the photo for? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Truth, 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 I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. I'm one crazy nerfo. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically. Your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Hey folks, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. That's right. That's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T. That's Double J, Jeff Jarrett. The world's greatest singer, the world's greatest entertainer, and the world's greatest wrestler. And now, the world's greatest podcaster. And you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, Croc. Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is really interesting. Uh, I know we're doing this a couple of days after the fact, and I would think dust has settled, but yet... Every day, something new seems to come up with this, what we're going to talk about for a few minutes here. I'm joined by Dr. Mike Lano, who everybody who listens is familiar with, longtime wrestling photographer since the territories. He writes for magazines, the whole nine yards. You guys are familiar with his story. But I thought it would be good to talk with Mike for a few minutes because on July 22nd, we heard news about 4.06 p.m. after the stock market 
had closed, which I get from a business perspective why they would do this press release though. Then, but Vince McMahon retires, and anybody who follows wrestling is aware there has been an investigation going on for the past couple of months, and there's just so much to unravel besides the investigation. Vince's career, legacy, just so much. But I thought Mike would be appropriate to talk with because I'm not a religious guy, but there's always the BC and AD. And Mike had seen every, has seen everything, I should say. There was BV before Vince in terms of Vince Jr. that we all know now. And we're entering the stage of AV after Vince. And Mike, you were familiar with his father. I don't know if you had any interactions with his father. Oh, yeah, backstage at Madison, only Madison Square Garden a couple of times. I was able to get press passes from Arnie Skoland, who you, uh, or Phil Zacco, who you had to go, and it was a clandestine affair. But Vince Jr. had seen pretty much since about his third time taking over, it was either late 71, early 72, from the popular, I think it was Ray Morgan, you know, Bruno's guy doing the commentary. Yep. And because Vince Jr. had sought out his father, you know, I don't know all of that backstory, but wow. um, he, he was not popular to, at all with the people who loved, you know, at the at the start. Eventually, they warmed up to him. But, yeah. you know, the guy that had been doing it for so long for Capital Sports, the Tri-WF, Vince Sr. in partnership with uh, Monsoon and, and others, and that, you know, Toots Mont way before that in the 50s. And well, the story I heard is if you're referencing the Ray Morgan one when Vince jumped in the commentary, there was apparently at a TV taping or whatever the case was when Vince Sr. was there, Ray Morgan had approached him and felt he deserved the raise. I they never talked about numbers in the stories I've heard, but it's been verified from all aspects. And I even think Vince Jr. had acknowledged this because he was in the room when this happened. But Ray apparently went to Sr. He wanted a raise and Sr. was doing a traditional quarters in his hand and all that and says, not going to happen. Ray walks out. Sr. Mm-hmm. looks at Jr. and goes, well, when Jr. asks, well, Dad, what are you going to do? Because it's the first time on the promoting side he had ever seen this type of deal. Well, Dad, what are you going to do? You're doing it. You're going to go in and do it. And that's when he went on to commentate with, you know, Patterson and Bruno. And Well, that, that came later. He wasn't Yeah, there. but I'm saying that it went, you know, as the story went on that side of things. Uh, you know, and others who know me know Bruno used to call me almost every Sunday Saturday or Sunday, like 11 Pacific time. And he, you know, wanted to hear this stuff. So often I would read him uh, the observer until Meltzer started sending it to him, but he would always want to know what the TV numbers, ratings and buy rates for pay-per-views, you know, this was years later because he was kind of hoping they weren't doing so well, but you know, I had to tell him when they so were. So this doing- is when he had his grievance. Bruno. In the yeah, years. this was well when he. This was uh, when he really wanted to hear that, and when because uh, I had known him since he came into L.A. January of '72 for the the 22 man battle royal, what we call the Bruno Battle Royal, and we had these annual battle royals from 1970 until the promotion folded December of '82, and in the last couple of years they would have sometimes two in a year, which really devalued them as an attraction, but. That was known for any of us who saw all of them or photographed all of them. That was the best one. The only time Mosgris and Bruno ever locked up in a ring anywhere, although, you know, they were at Halls of Fame later on. But um, so this would be when the Ring Boy scandal, that's when the Bruno, in, you know, the calls went from maybe every six, seven weeks or every two months to weekly when the ring boy scandal and then the steroid scandal is about to drop. So we're talking 92, 93. Yeah. When that was, but you know, we, we don't, I want to start by saying you can't discount 
the accomplishments and the achievements of Vince. No. You know, because he did a lot of risky things. Uh, he often gets uh, sort of trashed people claiming that he destroyed the territories. And yeah, parts of that are true, but territories were closing before he did that. I mean, the Funks got out of Amarillo, Dorian Terry sold it to Murdoch and Blackjack Mulligan. They could see the writing on the wall with national promotions, namely, you know, the, the great success of Georgia Championship Wrestling on Turner, on TBS. So those promotions, there were some that started falling by the wayside, like the Sheiks, when the uh, the uh, Ole Anderson world, well, I don't know. It was more, I think they elevated the name then, and we're talking uh, early 80s when they started uh, doing the tours, uh, you know, to Charlotte and different places before Black Saturday, you know, the Vince takeover in 84. But they were going into, for example, uh, various parts of Ohio and Michigan, like Detroit, that were Sheik's towns and, you know, just killing him because people could see all these great national stars. And, you know, suddenly the Sheik's territory with less and less talent, you know, with the Bulldog Don Ken as a main eventer and a young Gino Hernandez as the U.S. champion after beating the Sheik, it didn't look very attractive. So the territories were dying, but, you know, Vince did escalate that by raiding talent, you know, starting with those guys in the AWA, Hogan, Okerlund, Schultz, Ventura, and then Piper uh, from Mid-Atlantic and Georgia. And St Steamboat and the Briscoes. And, yeah, that uh, came a little later. I mean, the Briscoes, that was right off the bat, and that's how they got uh, the TBS slot and, and everything else, because the Briscoes folded in with their shares along with uh, what's Jim Barnett, yeah, Jim Barnett. They all went that way. So it's like at, at 2000 cauliflower alley, when I pose Pat Patterson of all people, Vince is like number two guy with Ole Anderson. And they were going, Mike, what do you, what do you, why, would, why are we in the shot together? I just go, no one will believe I took this shot because Pat was a loyalist to Vince and Ole Anderson, you know, was, uh, so there's that, but, you know, and, uh, you know, the NWA Crockett's, they had the first mega pay-per-view, um, really with that Starcade, the race flare event. 83. Yeah. You know, well before that WrestleMania, but, you know, so Vince had lots of success and, uh, you know, whenever he veered out of WWF or wrestling, uh, whether it was the bodybuilding thing or Ico Pro drinks or both. XFL. Of, you know, a lot of failures there. That's why even in a fictitious world with this male modeling, I mean, the thing was dead on arrival. And now we hear whatever they were calling him, Max Dupree, L.A. Knight, Eli Drake is like gone. And they replaced him with the, uh, you know, alleged female playing his sister who just came up from the she was with that Von Wagner guy as his valet sort of in the NXT so they elevated her so she's playing that role now I did not know if I can veer off a bit that uh, uh, Fabian Eichner the bald guy with the Imperium he is now so he's there you know like an Austrian German guy and doing the you know like almost Nazi type stuff with the Imperium to now they're he doesn't look any different there, you know, he worked on his body a little during that break when he didn't get called up to smackdown with walter uh, gunther uh they have him as an italian character as this uh uh Vice? yeah something like that how can you test or cross fan intelligence and say well the guy we were portraying as this german octung guy now is is like total italian <laughs> I, I don't know how this stuff gets done, but that's like one of the more ridiculous things. We're just, but anyway, so. Let's let me, start here. Go let's ahead. Go back to Vince. Let me read something that just came out uh, early, early this morning. Uh, and it's been verified. You know, Meltzer and the rest of them have put Mike Johnson have verified it. SEC and federal prosecutors open inquiries McMahon's conduct. The Wall Street Journal is reporting today 
that the Securities and Exchange Commission, that's the feds, and federal prosecutors have launched inquiries into payments made by Vince McMahon to settle allegations of sexual misconduct. Sources close to Vince told Wall Street Journal that he resigned, and they have that in italics, the word resigned, from his position as CEO and chairman on Friday, last Friday, as you said, on the 22nd, after SEC and prosecutors turned up the heat on him and decided it would be best if he left the show now and spare the company from further embarrassment and bad publicity. While WWE painted his departure as a quote-unquote retirement, document files with the United States SEC show that he actually resigned. WWE announced yesterday that it has received regulatory, investigative, and enforcement inquiries, subpoenas, uh, or demands in connection with the Vince McMahon investigation. WWE also said that they have uh, 14.6 million in unrecorded expenses tied to McMahon, which they say he will have to personally pay. So as thought, and, and you know, nobody wanted to see this happen or any of those women, you know, the allegations, uh, any of that, which are really awful if true, uh, but there has to be substance in it. Uh, I'm just guessing this is only my opinion. I can't speak for anyone, but you don't like retire or get a forced resignation, whatever you're going to term it as a quote unquote retirement. If there wasn't uh, some fire behind this smoke and, and these charges and um, it's an odd, very odd timing is pretty much everybody has said, you know, like, a little more than a week before their second biggest pay-per-view of the year on their schedule, uh, SummerSlam this Saturday, for him to go. And and that's why if you look at the, the creative replacement, which is everybody is cheering and hoping it works with Paul Levesque, Triple H, the Monday show started out with like a Bill Watts, Mid-South, guys right on the mat with credible, you know, brawling with The Miz and uh, What's-His-Face the uh, media uh, online Instagram guy. The, uh, Logan Paul. Yeah, Logan Paul. So they've never started a Raw or a SmackDown with that kind of thing. So that was exciting. But then, you know, the crowd was lost and I'm hearing all kinds of stories and things. Well, they already had the TV planned out before Vince's uh, quitting uh, and they just decided to go with it or do some tweaking. And, you know, also... Triple H may be not wanting to upset the audience too much with like a jarring 180 and what the product looks like. So that might've been the reason for the sort of overall underwhelming. I mean, during that whole thing, it was like lather, rinse, repeat, the same old stuff. You've got uh, uh, theory challenging Drew McIntyre and then that's uh, singles and then that's a mess and it turns into a tag with Bobby Lashley and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the fans there at their primo venue, historic ties with TriWF, WWF, WWF, Madison Square Garden, they started sitting on their hands. You know, they were hot at the beginning and hot at the end. You know, they opened with their biggest act. They closed with their biggest act, Roman Reigns. And um, so we'll, we'll see. You know, so maybe next, it's probably fair to say maybe next Monday we should see more of Triple H creativity, some of the awesome stuff we saw from him in NXT. But, you know, and, and people were also saying, well, geez, why didn't they do a video package for Vince or blah, blah, blah. And others are saying, like with Hogan having to be banned, you know, after his uh, N-word comment mess and then the flair thing after the dark side, the plane flight from hell, that perhaps after a couple of years have passed, you know, Vince might be able to come back and appear on TV, you know, hearing all kinds of stuff, yeah. but it basically we'll all have to wait out everything and see it as it actually plays. Yeah. Well, my first question is, and I want to go back with the scandal and everything that started this up to where we're at on the 27th here. And obviously the first story that broke that I remember breaking with this whole latest kitten caboodle is I believe she was working in the legal department. The first she wasn't even, she had no legal experience. Okay. It's what we're finding out later after that first wall street journal, the first yeah. of two. This first lady here. legal experience, but she was hired at hundred grand a year as a paralegal. Yeah. And then after X period of time, her salary doubles to 200. 
Now that is where you can say that wasn't Vince's money. That was company, company money. money. Yes, that's and what it was. Somebody without a full legitimate paralegal background be put in that position. And at that kind of salary, which is kind of unheard of, a starting salary of 100K, let alone the 200K. So, and obviously as things have moved on, we heard about more NDAs, more money. Like you quoted in that story, it's just over maybe like 14.6 or something million that Vince is paying out. And I'm not- to pay out, but it was initially, they said it was unaccounted. Yeah. So they made it appear as though it came from WWE corporate funds, allegedly. And now Vince is going to have to pay out or reimburse those amounts. Yeah, because that's yeah. going to be my question there is I keep hearing it's going to be personal money, personal money, personal money. Now, I don't know how this will work with, and I'm not a stock guy and all that stuff, but obviously I understand people being hot from a corporate side. But if the NDAs were done on a corporate side, but yet he's going to be paying out this money out of his personal funds, whatever that is, I'm not the IRS, I'm not any of that kind of stuff, but it's not coming out of corporate money, except for that first one, potentially raising the red flags. What is the biggest problem with if he's a sleazeball and it's like, you know, I'm going to pay for my crimes? Well... Plus, we need to just look at the announcement came out at uh, like 10 after four last Friday after the stock market closes. So you're not. And that was done intentionally for two reasons. And this does have something relevancy to the stocks. uh, Yes. Asking about is a so you don't impact the your house. You know, it's a publicly traded company, so you don't negatively impact it. You do that after the market closes. Also, you do it and you throw it out there after the news cycle ends, the national U.S. news cycle ends. And then, you know, that's why a lot of bad news and Trump used to throw out stuff after 4 p.m. Eastern time on Fridays because it would get very little press. It's out of the news cycle. The vast majority of Americans do not watch weekend national news. And, and so it would get the least amount of reaction. However, um, back to the stock thing, two days before last Friday, meaning a week ago today, today being Wednesday, whatever today's date is, the 20th. It'd be the 20th. It would have been the 20th. Kevin, allegedly, Vince, Kevin Dunn, et cetera, sold 50,000, you know, not all of them, but there were quite a few people. And at least I'm reading Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn sold 50,000 shares of their stock, knowing that this announcement would be made two days later and stock prices might go south. So that is a major no-no because there's like X amount of employees, WW employees might've had advanced knowledge that this was going to go down. And so it behooves them to sell their stock price at a higher price before the latest scandal or Vince having to quote unquote retire happens on that Friday, two days later. That's not good. Is this why the feds would be stepping in in what you referenced? I I think quite a few different arenas. I mean, it's good to WWE's credit that their board uh, had and outside, not internal, because when you hear internal stuff, that's like what Trump pulled. They all will have an internal investigation where you can just, you know, those people can just give the company line. That's not transparent nor ethical. So WWE was ethical in having, and, and some of the board people, they're, uh, they're not even like wrestling uh, people. There's some names, and it's a very limited, small board when they finally listed out the members of who was on there. And there was one guy, I didn't even recognize the name, never heard it before, but um, there's a number of factors and that's perhaps one of them besides you, you know, looking at some more of this stuff, like uh, what was her name? Was it Rita Chatterton, the female referee who just quit? And we were trying to get her on the, this show here, crazy train radio. Um, Kind of when I started, I thought, well, that would be somebody interesting only because, you know, now we're seeing a lot of female refs. I do have contact with her, so we can look at it. Yeah, let's know. try. The weird thing is, so the people that signed the NDAs, 
none of them blabbed, but somebody uh, started sending out emails that had knowledge of these NDAs and or, you know, so they started naming uh, or, or presenting cases, but they named Rita by name uh, claiming abuse. And it was really odd because if you remember, she was on TV quite a bit and then she wasn't. She was just gone. Well, well my question to that would be, and obviously I'm familiar with Rita's accusations that there was potential oral sex Vince wanted. Allegedly, I said, I don't know. I wasn't there. Just what you've heard. But then potential rape when she said no. So with that being said, yeah, so she had her own case in the late 80s, early 90s, close to the Rainboy scandals, then steroids and all that stuff that you referenced earlier. She was one of the major stories at that time period. But you mentioned there about her possibly exposing some of this stuff recently. How no, would not she... her. Not her. Oh, okay. Then I misunderstood else. you. Yeah, not her. Uh, I've not seen anything to that effect. You know, again, we're still in the allegations phase to uh, be as transparent as possible here. So we don't know more than anybody else. We're just reading all of this stuff. And thankfully, the Mike Johnsons and the Meltzers are, you know, calling the company and actually getting confirmation. And then that's, that's basically what we're regurgitating back out. So somebody within the company, company employee, apparently, allegedly, uh, has been putting out these things and was feeding them to the Wall Street Journal, uh, or they discovered them on their own. I forget how that happened. But that, that, they, this source within the company, like a mole or something, allegedly uh named rita by name and then you know started going into vast details and then that was i think what was that day was that a thursday the first wall street journal there have been three so far but the third wall street journal article last saturday just simply said that he retired he was gone from the company and blah 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 uh, from all levels so we're to our understanding with triple h being named as head of creative now for the entire WWE, not just NXT, where he did so well. Um, people are saying, well, you know, can he be going running through stuff with Vince? So if we see a drastic change and an improvement in the TV, less of this lather, rinse, repeat type, same stuff we've been seeing for year after year that forces a lot of us to fast forward to the good parts. And often there aren't that many, you know, except Heyman or Roman. Um, you know, we'll just have to see. Well, you know, I, I say everybody, you know, Tony Khan was even talking about this this, this morning. He said, no, he signed a lot of these folks up to like five-year deals and beyond, and you're not going to see Alistair Black, et cetera, uh, Danielson or more go back. Uh, you know, they, they couldn't. The, their contracts won't allow it. So, but there, there were stuff this morning that, oh, all of this talent around the, the world or talent that was let go or forced out from WWE now, they're uh, uh, ecstatic, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I think a lot of people are jumping the gun. Um, it would be interesting to find out who this mole, who this deep throat is that released this stuff to, uh, you know, because it's like almost overnight. And so, the first thoughts that many of us just guessed, and I had, I was on the same wavelength with Bully Ray Dudley, Bubba Ray, uh, was Vince coming out on what, three, four TVs once that first Wall Street Journal thing came out? Yep. Introduced the show, and um, it just seemed like he was either doing this because he's, you know, he wanted to say goodbye personally and he knew shit was coming. Coming up, and he may not get that opportunity again. We can only speculate, but that's what it felt like. That he's doing that, and then he goes, you know, he recites the new, you know, then now forever together thing. You know, they just added the forever or the together fairly recently in the last couple of months. And I'm just thinking when he said that, and then he put that tweet out last Friday, including that again, you know, with the word together. Uh uh. You're doing this all by yourself. This we ain't doing this together. This is his mess, uh, and you know he's got to deal with it. 
not together, but maybe together with some attorneys, but not together yeah. with the, the universe, which is a million dollar word for their fan base. Yeah. So obviously there's been a number of things throughout the years besides this latest mess. You know, we mentioned about the Rita situation. There was a accusation in the 2000s, 2006, about a sexual harassment by a worker at a tanning bar in Florida. Well, remember uh, during the steroid trials? Though, yeah, you had that. Uh, Nails, Kevin Wolchuk's, uh, and I think even Rick Rude said some disparaging, you know, they made some claims about Vince, particularly Kevin, about Vince coming on to him. And I can't remember beyond those two if there was anything else uh, like that. But, you know, that was, what, 94, 93, 94? 94, 94, yeah, with a court case. Right in Stanford when even the dark side looked at it and, and said what everybody thought back then was the feds blew the case. It was just like a given. They so. do it, you know, with probably Jerry McDivitt, who I've actually worked with before on video content pirates, stealing, you know, and selling and duplicating WWE content. These are the big players making six figures. This was back in the 90s and a little bit beyond into the 2000s, some of these scumbags. But Jerry McDivitt's deft and great attorney work, legal work, got, you know, aided by the feds blowing the case. But, you know, got to credit McDivitt, you know, and you saw him discuss this on Dark Side of the Ring, that, that big episode. Um, you know, he helped Vince get out of that mess. And, um, you know, but there have been, you know, little things here and there, but that really opened up that big, huge can of worms. And I think I, I told you that they flew in all of us in 92, around August. No, so I don't remember that story. They flew in, they brought in Meltzer. Wade Keller, myself, because I had my newsletter series and, and a radio show, nothing on the level of John Arizzi. John Arizzi just drove in from uh, Long Island, Babylon, Long Island to Titan Towers. And there was a radio guy, um, I can't think of his name, it'll come to me, I thought it was Ray something from Boston. And they brought us all in for an entire day. And the day started with us uh, like at 8 a.m., getting we were driven to a couple of miles away to wwf's video facility so this was like august of 1992 and we got a tour of that and 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 that was when i discovered that a lot of the vince senior tv was gone whether he taped over it you know he taped over the tv after it made the rounds and was bicycled around all of the cities you know dc boston philly you know from new york and connecticut the base then we had Linda McMahon give all of us a tour of Titan Towers uh, and the infamous Wade Keller going in to Basil DeVito's office and like picking up some piece of paper and Linda catching him and yelling at him. So we got a tour of all four floors of Titan Towers. That happened. You know, we're all in a group and, you know, we saw everything, the big framed color photos on like the fourth floor. And then finally it ended with, us in a room served with some food and uh, Vince sort of giving a talk to all of us uh, and uh, telling us about the history of the company and we could ask him questions. And uh, Linda was in the room and I think Basil and there were like a few other company guys there at the time, you know, the big wigs, sort of like the equivalents of Tony Khan, no Stephanie or Shane, they were too little. And at the end of that, the, reason we found out for why we were all brought in uh was uh vince asked us if i forget the wording you'd have to go to Meltzer because uh, it, it, basically it was look we can promote all of the various things that you guys do whether it's your newsletters your wrestling fan radio shows and blah 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 but we'd like to go easy on the steroid case that's upcoming it's pending the coverage of that and everybody politely, you know, said no. Uh, but we were given, to their credit, all press tickets to summer. So this was like on a Friday, like an all-day Friday thing. And we were given press tickets to go and, and watch attend uh, 
I think I, I said that pay-per-view was SummerSlam two days later. So that was the timing of it. Um, but that and, would have been in London though, 92. Well, maybe it wasn't. So maybe it was a different time of year. Was that, so it was either 92 or 93, but they had, it was like whatever the pay-per-view, let's say if it was 92 and you'd have to ask Dave, uh, because it was at the garden. And I remember because I got kind of upset. So it's either 91 or 92. Uh, or you know maybe as late as 93. I, I can't recall if it was that late 93. But the pay-per-view was like a couple of days later. It was in the summer. And I got like kind of upset because uh, there were people passing out like a zillion copies. Everybody in line waiting to get into the garden or Nassau Coliseum, whatever venue it was. I'm not 100%. It was even Madison Square Garden now. So I've been to so many of these events. But they were passing out copies of the Observer and the Torch to people who didn't ask to be smartened up. I know I'm getting off track, but that kind of pissed the hell out of me. Uh, you know, the, it just wasn't done then, you know, just to give away sample copies to get subscribers and to try to capitalize on the fact we were all brought out there for this thing. But, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and then, of course, like Dave... Uh, went and, and flew out from San Jose, California, covered the steroid trial every single day. So it didn't hinder anybody covering it. I think Wade was there, uh, you know, not every single day, perhaps, but, you know, like Dave was for every single day. Uh, but so that they, was leading to my question uh, with all these different situations throughout the years. And that being it almost felt like that Vince was the Teflon Don. Right. So why now do you think? These things, like, I forget like the Ring Boy stuff. Um, the, like, uh, that even, wasn't Vince, though, the Ring Boy stuff. No, but it, it puts a taint on the company. Yeah. And they did have some lean years for a while there, if you remember. You know, when 94, they, 95, 96, yeah. Yeah, when it was like after way too many awful characters while WCW was gaining traction and, and stealing their stars, pulling events on Vince. You know, he had taken all those stars like the steamboats and everybody else, like you mentioned. And now WCW was doing it to him and he was in a, a war. But um, the uh, there was also uh, well, there, there was a lot of stuff going on. I think it, it, we didn't get to hear i think the general public didn't get to hear like the end result of the ring boy stuff so much as guys like mel phillips and terry garvin were gone from the company forever pat had to go away for a little bit but came back bruno was really hot about that and that's why i could never get him like carl lauer who just died a couple of months ago at, the, at like a rizzi's weekend of champions every single year or john clark clark's uh flyer wrestling convention in philadelphia your neck of the woods uh, Carl Lauer would always ask me, you know, he had a CAC vendor table and I'm the club's photographer. He'd go, you know, go, we go tell your friend Bruno to join CAC, attend one of our events. And because of the ring boy scandal, especially the Bruno said, no, any, uh, entity event that has Pat as a member and Pat, you know, as a regular, I refuse to, to go. I could never get him to go. He also didn't want to go because Thez was there and he always felt Thez like Buddy Rogers was a bully. But and that's besides the point. And, and Bruno had a extreme mega dislike stemming from the David San Martino stuff. And David, you know, was, according to Bruno, fed a bill of goods by Vince that he would push him to the sky, except what was happening was Vince had been retired. He wasn't doing the TV commentary and Vince according to Bruno, said, well, I'll put your kid on TV, but I want you to do, you know, tag matches with him and start wrestling again, you know. So that's where you saw Bruno in tags with, like, Piper. And 86, Randy. 87, that yeah. time period. Or and 85, 86, excuse me. disliked it immensely. And he had disliked Vince immensely until when he did the Hall of Fame finally. He continually kept telling media people, but me privately and his other close friends like Chris Cruz, the former WCW TV <laughs> announcer, that uh, he was in all of these legit halls of fame. He said, Vince's Hall of Fame, there's no physical place for the fans. It's just a, an event to charge money for and then film it and then sell even that as content for them to purchase. The Hall of Fame 
thing each year, but there's no Hall of Fame. So he said, I, I don't want to be a part of it and blah, blah, blah. And Jim Ross got him to come to a Pittsburgh Raw, you know, once before that happened. But the way Bruno told me was he finally acquiesced and had to put on a fake smile and do it, which upset a number of us who knew him. So when he finally did it and then he died not long after on my birthday, April 18th, which I have to carry that to my grave because he was in my mind, the most ethical guy, you know, you can say yeah. whatever you want about Vince. You cannot discount the good things he did for wrestling. And he made people stars. I don't think Dwayne Johnson would be the biggest grossing and the biggest movie star in the world or Cena's success or Batista's success or Hogan and uh, Piper or Jesse Ventura if it weren't for being associated with Vince McMahon. But Bruno said that Triple H came to him and said, look, you can go into our Hall of Fame. Vince wants you to lend his credibility to it. And if you do it, we'll give you six figures and then even way more money to do some commentary on DVDs and Carol and the twins, but not David, who had been estranged from Bruno and Carol. Uh, we'll get health insurance for the you know top of the line healthcare and you for the rest of their lives. Uh, but if you don't, when you die, we'll just put you in our hall of fame anyway. So Bruno was wise and said, all right, I'll do what's best for my family again, sort of like the claims Vince did what was best for business and the calling it a retirement when he was, you know, for all intents and purposes, perhaps pushed out, forced out, uh, before any more negative PR could come to the company. And the shareholders, you know, shareholders, we got to be number one uh, in mind. But uh, so that's why he put on a, a fake grin. He worked it as well as he could, you know, from all he learned in wrestling. He went into that Hall of Fame. So but he never wanted to. And he already disliked Vince, according to Bruno directly. And then when those scandals happened in the early 90s, you know, I mean, because all of us, any of us that would go back there and cover it, we'd see Mel Phillips and Terry Garvin all over the place, particularly Mel Phillips, who went on from just taking the ring robes like a Professor Elliot, the ring robes to the back, you know, at all the venues. And then he starts doing, you know, he's like the secondary ring announcer, second only to uh, the Fink, Howard Finkel. And uh, so it was, you know. You know, there, there's wrestling and the ballyhoo around it, uh, and I'll shut up, have, the, the, I mean, it's a business built in sort of scandal and working people and all of that. But like I told you earlier, I don't know why, you know, a lot of us had heard rumors about Vince and, and Linda not really being a, a true couple and, and being in either different rooms or different places, uh, locations and stuff. Uh, why he didn't just hire hookers? And I will say this is, I, you know, I don't know. I, all I know is what I read and what we're being fed. And I can only comment on that. All still allegations and stuff, even though it's a truism that Vince has gone from the company, whether we see his imprinting still on the booking or not, that time will tell. But like why you wouldn't just, you know, go to hookers. It, it's, you know, a, a quiet unless somebody rats you out. It would have cost less. There wouldn't have been all this heartache with the company if you weren't happy with your your spouse, your partner, your wife. Um, I just don't, I can't fathom why. It, plus now, you know, I mean, those payments were made like what, over a 20 year period. So we're celebrating Cena and Rey Mysterio for their 20 years in WWE. But then we hear this thing come out a couple of days ago, uh, like late Sunday, late Sunday when Observer Radio reported it, that over a 20-year period, these uh, unknown, but these payments totaling, what was the figure, 14.6? Something around that. Uh, around that, were paid out over a 20-year period, including up through this year, with the, the Me Too movement and all the stuff we had, you know, since COVID started in wrestling, where it was mostly all male wrestlers, maybe a couple of promoters and refs, were excommunicated from the biz for uh, allegedly molesting, raping, and you know horrible stuff to uh, female in the biz. And there's a gay male wrestler who had been in NXT and then briefly uh, in AEW now, and he's probably done with wrestling because he had uh, some 
you know, it was a fight with his partner, but it was so publicized. Jake Atlas. Yeah, as being a, a pretty awful thing. You know, so I don't know. My, my point is, though, is with that occurring in the last few years, why Vince would, if these things were done, why it would be done, you know, when you know, geez, like the most famous guy ever in wrestling, a, a non-wrestler, but the guy who influenced it for good or bad, you know, for whatever, 40, dec- 40 years, four decades plus, five decades, would engage in this stuff and not just hire hookers if he wanted sex i i just don't i can't fathom that and, and you really don't shit in your house uh, you know yeah in your yard you, you just don't do it where you're working exactly um, maybe just find a female i mean i i know the guy's busy but find a female you know the normal ways at a bar or whatever but not female ref or any of these folks uh within the the company or a new hiree i mean that almost sounds like a plant she comes in she has really allegedly no legal experience but she's hired as a paralegal or i don't know you know the claims that she made and she was bragging to other staffers oh man that had like bad news written all over it and Mm -hmm. uh you know, we we'll just have to see how this plays out. I do exactly. want to say it, 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 we were worried uh, the last however long since the first Wall Street Journal thing came out, it would negatively impact the business. It doesn't seem to. MSG was sold out. When Vince was coming out those times recently on Ron SmackDown, the crowd has given him a standing O. Many of them probably might not have been aware of it. You know, not everybody reads the Wall Street. It was covered on a lot of TV shows like Inside Edition. and. Yep. Uh, most local affiliates here in Los Angeles are strongest indie, which is a CW KTLA channel five, which had been the home of pro wrestling from like the late forties until 1970, every Wednesday wrestling from the Olympic auditorium, et cetera, the Jules Strongbow era. They on an hourly basis had uh, Dana Devon and Sam Rubin, their entertainment reporters covering this every hour because it's mostly during the daytime it's like all news until they go cw in the evening you know if it was sam rubin with a story at 4 or 5 a.m it would be repeated if not added upon every hour because it'd be a brand new news program at 6 a.m 7 a.m and so on so my final question with this and like you said we got to wait and see for everything to play out but with the good the bad the ugly when we talk about Vince McMahon and wrestling and the whole package, like I said, we look at everything. What do you think Vince's legacy will be once the dust settles from this current situation? Well, I don't think he loses that. I think people are smart enough, you know, like with the Chris Benoit thing, you can't discount his dedication to craft and what he did in the ring all of those years before the last few when the meds and the concussions, you know, so there it's like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. You, you can't with Vince discount all of the stuff that he did, you know, good and bad. Most of it all positive. I mean, well, from a professional here. standpoint, what do you think his legacy is when you look just professional? That he created global stars. He took, I mean, you know, he kind of, you want to credit him with, uh, destroying the mom and pop territories into a national and then a global brand. And we've got a pay-per-view coming up in England. You know, it's going to have a massive audience. We didn't have crowds like that on a regular basis, a monthly or more basis, but a monthly basis before Vince. So all of the positives are going to be there for Vince. And, and I, I think something like this, the scandal stuff, you know, it'll still be in people's minds, but it's not the immediate thing they think of when they think of Vince's legacy. You think of all the the good, like, geez, he made millionaires. There weren't any wrestlers that were millionaires, really. Uh, I don't think before Vince at all, or the whole Hogan phenomena and getting all those celebs that, that came, you know, with the rock and wrestling, the MTV, you know, that uh, it was that free show on MTV. The, was it called The War to Settle the Score with Hogan? Yep. Right, be, right before, uh, which led into Mania 1. And- but look at all the celebrities. They were interviewing Andy Warhol and 
uh, a million different celebrities. Joe Philly Piscopo. Stars. Yeah, Piscopo. And uh, name, big name stars. Uh, I think even Chevy Chase was there at that thing. You know, so he had all of these stars, female and male. And, and you know, and, and rock stars playing wrestlers out to their entrance music, you know, when they finally started coughing up for that. You know, all of this stuff, uh, and, and, you know, I, none of that stuff can or will be discounted. I think all of those things, mostly all good, good for the wrestlers. Uh, and, and, you know, the Attitude Era, no one is going to take that away from Vince, you know, because he worked his ass off. He came, it was like a rags to riches story. I'm sorry, I hope I'm not. No, no. Like I do Dave LaGreca at times. But it's, uh, and you've had, you know, for our audience, you, you broken some bones you had a pretty serious spinal accident and uh we want to make sure you heal up you know uh well so you kudos to you for doing all you're doing renovating your house and doing all this stuff when you were in an icu just a couple of days ago but uh you know back to vince i i i don't think you know whatever i don't think the vast majority of his audience or universe uh are going to focus on the negative. I think they're just going to think of the positive stuff. And like I said, if Vince comes back in a couple of years, just like WWE's allowed Hogan and Flair to come back, you know, anybody that had a problem for a while, uh, the audience is going to go bonkers. They're going to go nuts. Uh, they always have uh, when he comes out and you know, not all, it won't be forgotten, but most of it will be forgotten. And they'll just focus on his legacy. All of these things he's done from 81, 82, when he first kind of came to power and set a tone as like the anti-Gordon Soli announcer. Mm -hmm. What a maneuver. What a maneuver. Now, uh... That notwithstanding, all these things that we used to kid him about, because I go, I don't know anybody that says that a normal person in conversation, uh, except maybe somebody that went to like the finest schools, which, you know, he, he didn't go to. He, he went to a decent school. East Carolina, baby. Yeah. It, uh, you know, a total rags to riches because he came from poverty. He had to search out his dad. Uh, years old and all. Yeah. So um, you got to give the guy credit. He did work his ass off. And he was extremely nice and generous uh, at some of these after parties, after Halls of Fame or WrestleManias themselves. I was lucky enough to shoot at three of them. And I'm talking where no photographer's ever gone before, not even George these after WrestleMania parties. And that's what the magazines are, you know, hyping to hit me up for the, since last Friday for my shots of that stuff. Cause you'd see relaxed Vince at these events or heading off with, you know, a zillion tour buses with all the talent and the staff with the cops closing off the freeway as you go to uh, either the, uh, the, the venue in the, Los Angeles for 2005 or the one 2015 Levi Stadium in the Santa Clara, San Jose area. And I was on the, I told you, I was on that bus sitting uh, in front of me was Seamus. Next to me was Regal. Brett was on my other side, you know, because of the row. And uh, and then there were some other guys, uh, you know, around uh, like Kevin Steen then, who hadn't even debuted on their TV main roster. So I got to write in that. But Vince was like, you know, just so casual, easygoing at the Fairmont Hotel of San Jose in 2015. Um, you know, so um, I, I've got a lot of good memories of him. And, and the guy was talented. When he was a heel, he was the absolute the best for Austin. Yeah, it really was. And uh, you have a number of people talking about his legacy now, like Jerry Lawler, I think was yesterday. Uh, uh, coming out and talking about his legacy so a lot of guys are coming out you know with, it's weird F flair retire his last match you know we, we've said that before like with terry funk but his his last match at least for now is this sunday you know just what uh a week two days from when vince is gone so it's like flair and vince gone from the biz although you know flair i can see it now i'm putting money down vince is the special guest referee in that match <laughs> uh, I forget who is the ref. You know, the ref is actually Mike Kyoto. Yeah, I mean, people should they should order Saturday Fight TV. Fight TV. Yeah, Fight TV is the Saturday roast. 
they have a package with not just the whole card on Sunday. You can buy them individually or separate or together and uh, save money discount. I went and looked. They also have, you can see like, what, is there like 20 StarCast different events? You can get all of those either separately and uh, for the whole three days of this mammoth thing in Nashville. It's a mammoth. There's Slam, SummerSlam there, a New Japan show. So most everything else is all associated with StarCast. Uh, Kudos to Conrad Thompson for putting something like that together. Yeah, I mean, geez. I looked at that and I go, I get exhausted trying to just cover. The last big thing I covered, a WrestleMania weekend of the three I covered was the 2015 thing. And I was exhausted. I made like every single event. Right after Hall of Fame was over, I Zoomed to go shoot uh, Mike Bucci's High Spots show. And and the night before that, I mean, I, I was rushing to... Uh, the uh, Shimmer and the all uh, the APW, you know, it's like, and, and then I was uh, at, I could only spend an hour at the Conan and Ray Jr. Big uh, Q&A with Meltzer and I think Jim Ross. So those things are exhausting, but they are not even on the level of activities happening this weekend. I, my age past 65, I could not do it all. So kudos to Conrad Thompson, the podfather, uh, for all the guys he has there. I mean, the, the autograph sessions alone, it's like everybody and anybody who's not in WWE, they're all there. There's like a zillion people. Shivani's going to be there. and uh, The the Flair roast, Bully Ray Dudley, and a, a, a zillion people, that should be a blast. And then the show is outstanding. You know, all these different groups sending matches. Exactly. So, yeah, big time kudos. But yeah, people should go and order the thing. Uh, they can hear us talk about it, but you know, they uh, they should uh, yes. order it. The the roast, especially all the different podcasts and so. How many do you know? Conrad does one with Bischoff. Who else does he do? He does one with Flair. I'm sure he produces that. That's yeah. his, his he's involved. He's involved with Arns. Let's see. You got Arn. You got Flair. You got Bischoff. He's got. He's involved with Ross's Jim Ross's. Yeah, the Ross report. Uh, Bruce Pritchard's. You know he's yeah. he's. Then he's got his day job as a uh, you know with the mortgage guy. Then he's been doing this uh, planning of Starcast Five. You know, guy's got several plates full of. Because I heard him talk, he was talking about this is his first time at being an actual promoter of a wrestling card. Yes. And, um, you know, yeah. I don't know how, uh, I, I know he's younger than us. I don't know how anyone has the energy to do and accomplish all of those things. And it's pretty massive. So, again, kudos to that guy. That guy's laying his legacy. Talking about legacies in a short period of time, nobody had heard of the, really of Conrad a couple of years ago, the podcast started popping, the Starcast started happening. And now he's one of the more powerful guys in an industry with lots of powerful folks. Yeah. So, so. I think Jerry Lawler's going to be there. It's like everybody in the world, like even uh, Hollywood Jeannie Bassan, who lives now with her rock star boyfriend, you know, her longtime spouse. Uh, I think she's going to be going, but she says, yeah, it's like pretty insane. I'll put it this way, and I'll quote a mutual friend of ours when it comes to Conrad. It's And that mutual friend is Dallas Page. It's not who you know. It's who you know that says they know you. And, Conrad, <laughs> and Conrad's got a lot of that. He definitely does. Doesn't he do uh, DDP's podcast? Does he yeah, do that? you're right. Him and Jake's, that's another one of his. Uh, turn around. I want to see, unless you don't want to talk about them, the, their shirts. Now, you're having your house painted and renovated, yeah. but one looks like it has a police insignia on there. This one? And there's some other cool shirts. Can you tell us? If you don't want to, I'll understand. No, it's it's like a, is that a skull, like a Steve Austin or a New Japan shirt to the left, your left? That yeah, what's that? That's a Cal Ripken uh, retirement jersey. Wow. You're uh, a big the- huge baseball guy. So any listener Crazy Train Radio knows. Uh, this oh, one Ravens. with a patch, it's a Ravens authentic. Oh, Ravens, game. Ravens. It looked like a authentic. police patch. It is. There, it's the state logos. And... 
Yeah, uh, former Super Bowl champion Ravens. Yes. It's uh yeah, that's an authentic game jersey there. You know, so and your Eagles finally won the big one. Yeah, big 20 club. yeah, 52 Super Bowl 52. You see that instead of like in basketball, the NBA where it can be just even though I love the Warriors, you know, it doesn't seem fair that some teams never I mean, when was the last time the Bucks? I think it's go back to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when it was Lou Alcindor for the Bucks when they won a uh, an NBA championship in the 60s. What they, yeah, well, they just won one, didn't they, last year? Did they? All right. But I'm mean, saying you need to spread the wealth yeah. instead of – it's like – and Boston's thankfully finally back in an NBA playoff. That would have been many, many years since they were in, and it was since the Lakers' magic era. But, you know, there's a lot of teams I don't think that have ever been in okay. – uh, like, isn't there a, a – Charlotte NBA team franchise. Yeah. Michael Jordan's involved with the ownership there. Yeah. Were they the Pelicans or something? They never. The original uh, Hornets were, became the Pelicans and all that. Yeah. yeah. It's a little, I'm not the biggest expert on that. I am on the, I try to be as much as I can on baseball, but. Yeah. Well, Dr. Mike, and I know we'll continue talking, but thank you for talking about Vince and everything it's going on. <laughs> you got to pay the guy props. Have to pay him respect. Love yes. him or hate him. You do have to pay the man respect. He worked his ass off. He transformed the business. Uh, made a lot of people, you know, zillionaires. Um, I never would have thought when I was shooting him at Shawn Michaels school and then at King of the Indies, Brian Danielson would be a million dollar player. It's incredible to see because the guy had talent up the yin yang. It's all Vince. Yep. All of these things, people uh, like there was a show last night with the uh, uh, the Rock's comedic friend and, and the Bellas, and it must have been taped before Cesaro left. But the, all these wrestlers on an hour game show. <laughs> uh, Nick, not Nick Cannon, but the other guy, who's the Rock's comedic best friend? You know that Kevin Hart. Yeah, Kevin Hart hosted this thing. That wouldn't have happened without Vince, or you know. Uh, total Divas, seven seasons of that. Total Bellas, like five, six seasons of that on the E! Cable channel. You wouldn't have any of this stuff without Vince. So, yeah, so. got to show the man respect. Sad, you know, none of us like hearing that. Not for his sake or the business's sake when we learn all this stuff. And uh, again, but but remember Vince's legacy of accomplishments is, a, you know, opposed yes. to uh, a sidebar. Exactly. Well, thank you for taking a little bit of time to talk about that. Yeah, and uh, we'll have fun. And, you know, a lot of stuff, exciting stuff in the business. It's never been a more exciting time now. And I really do see WWE's going to be, you know, even if Vince is on the sidelines or really not, and it's a truly Triple H, they're going to be, you know, going to war with AEW and all of that stuff. And, and, that was when Vince was at his best, when he was pressed with competition with WCW and uh, and this. So it's never been a more exciting time to see all this stuff, forbidden doors, people cooperating, Mickey James on WWE TV with their Impact Women's Championship. Who would have ever thought they would acknowledge somebody else's championship? I can only think back to like 94 when they were kind of acknowledging Smoky Mountain, but then they were, you know, in business with Cornette or ECW. But this, they weren't in business whatsoever with uh, Impact. So I would think it goes back to when Backlund came in, or Harley Race, excuse me, Harley Race came in with his NWA championship, and they finally, uh, whatever year that was, 1980, recognized, or yeah, I think it was 80 or 81, uh, somebody's outside company thing. And But the Mickey James thing was just at Rumble. So, you know, that's to Vince's credit. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm sorry I hogged the mic as usual. It's Shoot all up. good. This brand is truly exciting and I'm so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. 
soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne, and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansoapery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansoapery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sends you. Crazy Train Radio.